All right, good morning. So today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. And, um, you know, when you choose to become a believer and a follower of Christ, you sign up for this radical change. And this radical change first starts within your heart. And your heart is the center force. This is the birthplace of your emotions and your thoughts and what you value. And then after this change occurs in your heart, then you start to see and notice a change in the way that you behave and a change in how you interact with the world around you. So with a new heart, God calls you to a new standard in how you are to live. And really, by doing this, it just shows the world our differentness. <laughs> We're called to live different and be different. We are called to be set apart from the masses. And this isn't necessarily just unique to God. Now, God's standard for us is unique, but we operate and function in a world that has standards everywhere. And standards exist to help determine the model in which something should be done. And I think we all would agree that there are certain things where we just want people to adhere to a specific standard. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you are looking to get plastic surgery. Now, I know that none of you would ever do this because you believe the body is a temple, but let's just say you want maybe your lips done. Maybe you're going for a little Beyonce, or maybe you're a man and you want a little work done on your pecs. Okay, so you do a little bit of research, and I have no idea how much these surgeries cost, but you do a little bit of research, and it comes back that it's going to cost you $3,000. Well, you're saving to buy a home, and you don't want to spend $3,000, so you decide to lower your standard just a little bit in how much you want to pay, and you find someone who will only charge you $200. Now, you go and get this surgery, and you're so excited. And then you wake up, and you're excited to go see yourself in the mirror. And lo and behold, it is you, but you are botched, you know? Maybe your lips are a little crooked and your pecs are a little crooked. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with that hit TV show, Botched. Essentially what it is, is plastic surgery's gone wrong. I can't stomach it. But what I'm trying to get at is when you cheat the standard and lower the standard, you cheat yourself. And ultimately, you pay the price. But what does that mean for a Christ follower? Well, for us... If we cheat the standard, not only are we cheating ourselves, but we're cheating the world around us. So let's dive into what Philippians 1 verse 27 actually says. It says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So here, if you're familiar with Philippians, and if you've been journeying on this road with us, you'll notice a little bit of a transition that is happening here. So 
Paul is very similar to modern writers in that he begins with all of the warm wishes first. So he lets the church of Philippi, he lets them know how he longs to be with them and his suffering is not in vain. And then he kind of transitions into what I like to call feedback 101. So if anyone is familiar with feedback, what you do is you start with the areas of strength. And then you go into areas of growth, opportunities for growth. And I think this is where Paul is saying, hey, guys, this is something that maybe we can strengthen a little bit. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So he's stating a standard, standards that maybe these followers of Christ had heard before, but maybe they had forgotten, similar to us. But he's, he's stating these standards, please live like this. I urge you to live like this. And I've kind of just boiled this down into one standard, which is consistency. So I love definitions, so I want to hop into what the definition of consistency is. Consistency, consistency is defined as the ability to be asserted together without contradiction. Okay, so what does that mean for you in your life? Don't be a walking contradiction. My mom used to tell me this, and maybe your moms used to say the same thing, but you better walk the walk. Like, just don't talk about it, but be about it, right? So, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. I'm just going to keep repeating this because I think it needs to hit home. Paul is commissioning the body of believers to live a life worthy of the gospel. He, this is not a new message, He's written something very similar in Ephesians uh, chapter one verse, uh, excuse me, chapter four verse one, and also in Colossians. But he's continually encouraging others to live out the truth in which they proclaim. And worthy, he says, worthy of the good news about Christ. Worthy is made up of the word worth, and that implies that there is an attached value right? So one person wrote on a blog, it says, we should walk in a way that demonstrates the extreme value, the extreme worth of the gospel in our lives. Consistency is this daily practice, and if our heart has really been transformed, then daily we are not just going to believe it in our hearts, but we're going to walk it out in the way that we behave and in the way that we interact with the world around us. But he also mentions this idea of citizen. And the Greek verb that Paul uses in this verse is polituimai, which means to live as a citizen. And he uses this word for meaning because he wants it to have a little weight for the church of Philippi. And I think this is where a little bit of context will really help flesh this idea out. So, if we go back to Acts 16, where um, Paul and Silas are moving into Philippi, it says this about Philippi, that it's a major city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. Okay, so Roman colonies are pretty significant, and to be a Roman citizen actually meant something. 
So you have this church of Philippi living in a Roman colony, and these Roman colonies, they weren't just some outpost in some uncharted parts of the world. They were placed in strategic places, and typically Rome would send about 300 veterans along with their wives and their children to go settle in these places. They were these miniature Romes, but the pride in their Roman citizenship was their dominating characteristic. You had the Roman language spoken, you had Roman attire that was worn, Roman traditions were observed, and the magistrates even held Roman titles. So, mini Rome in Philippi. And citizens of Rome, they had to pronounce their allegiance to Rome. They kind of recognized their ruler kind of as this god. And when Paul is addressing them as citizens, it's not just, oh, well, you resident of Philippi. No, it was something that had, it carried more weight in it. Because People that were citizens had privileges. They had the right to vote. They had a right to make contracts and to marry. They also had the right to a fair trial. So back in Acts 16, again, when Paul and Silas were in Philippi, they were jailed, right? And I love this part, so I'm going to read the whole verses that accompany it, and it's Acts 16, uh, 35 through 38. So this is what happens. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tail the jailer. Let those men go, talking about Paul and Silas. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. Now, here's Paul's response, right? Now, obviously, he's not me, so he's not answering this way, but, uh, you know, go with me. They have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens? Oh, so now they want us to leave? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. And then it finishes with, when the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. That is because their citizenship meant something. And there's almost like this, a little bit of pride, not a sinful pride when Paul is talking, but it's almost like this, this pleasure in knowing, like, I'm a citizen of Rome, where are my rights? And I wonder if the church of Philippi also had this pride about their citizenship. And it's also very similar to the pride that maybe we feel about our nation and about our political and civil identity. This American pride, our American identity. You know, this identity travels with you wherever you go. Anyone who has traveled over, overseas, you can spot an American a mile away. Americans have this thing about them. They stand out, right? And usually it's like traveling 101, try to blend in. Americans really don't care. There's a little bit of arrogance. We're sometimes very loud and boisterous. And there's a little bit of entitlement there. And <laughs> this part of our identity this American identity, sometimes gets superimposed with our identity as a Christ follower. Our love for our nation gets superimposed 
with our Christianity, forcing them to hold hands, but they were never meant to. I went to a small Christian school when I was younger, and I also taught at a small Christian school. And every morning, we would have the kids rise and say the three pledges. We would have to pledge our allegiance to the Bible, and then to the Christian flag, and then to the American flag. Now, as a child, what this is communicating is that we give our allegiance to all three. There is no separation. But Paul is saying, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, saying that, look, this allegiance that you have, this pride that you have, is not for the nation in which you were born. It is meant for your true home, your forever home, which is in heaven. This allegiance should be to Jesus and only Jesus. You are a colony of heaven. And the Roman colonists never forgot in any environment who he was as a Roman. The American nationalists, wherever they go, they will let it be known that here I am and I love America. So was, must we, as citizens of heaven, proclaim it loudly, wear it on our chest, that we belong to the kingdom of heaven. We belong to the co colony of heaven. Be consistent in the way that you walk. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. In the book, Be Joyful, by Warren Wiersbe, he mentions this story. We have some neighbors who believe a false gospel, a church member told his pastor. Do you have some literature I can give him? So the pastor opened his Bible to 2 Corinthians 3.2. You are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men, he said. The best literature in the world is no substitute for your own. Let them see Christ in your behavior. And this will open up opportunities to share Christ's gospel with them. People are looking at the way that we actually behave. The world is watching, and they want to see. How is it, well, do these Christians really live differently? Just how, if you are in another nation and can spot an American a mile away, let us be a people that they know from a mile away that we are followers of Christ. And our consistency should not waver because it is political time. And our consistency should not waver because, well, someone made me mad on Facebook. We signed up to be light bearers in a dark world. And church, we need to be consistent in our walk. Thank you.